Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Hey there, Archons. This is Zach, and before we get to this week's episode, we have another word from Sky Jedi, a.k.a. Luke Olson, who's part of the team that works on the Crucible.online, the unofficial but highly appreciated way that we can play Keyforge digitally. So, we're going to hear from Luke and then jump straight to the episode. I just wanted to take a moment to talk about how amazing the team at TCO actually is, because I totally forgot about it in my last part uh without this team and everything that they do and everybody in it tco would not be what it is today and i'm extremely honored to be a part of that team and i would just like to thank each and every single one of them for allowing me to be there and help with this project and without any further ado this week's episode of call of discovery Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we go bananas for Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery on either a weekly or fortnightly basis. I am your co-host, somehow perplexingly, Zach Armstrong, and I'm joined, as always, by the tea-sipping man himself, Ed Pocock. How are you, Ed? I am, I'm good, Zach. I'm good. I am, in fact, enjoying a, a nice cup of tea right now, which will come as probably very little surprise to our listeners. And if they do want any tea-related recommendations, then, uh, of course, they can always email us. Excellent. Well, it's a stereotype for a reason, folks. And we have <laughs> Luke Olson back with us. You might know him by his online moniker, Sky Jedi. How are you, Luke? I'm doing great. Excellent. Well, thank you for, for coming back again to the show for the second round. Uh, I'm flattered and honestly a little surprised that you, you made it back after that, that first episode. <laughs> oh, you know, I uh, dragged myself out of bed and thought, well, today's going to be the day. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I'm hoping coffee here, but I'm, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> there, there, there was a lot of coffee. There may have been some Kahlua, but uh, well, we'll leave that as a mystery. Right. It is, right. of course, much earlier on your side of the ocean than it is on mine right now. So, um, so I could be drinking anything quite legitimately. Excellent. So Luke uh, is here for our deck discovery episode. After we talk with our guests about some topic that's important to them, we then dive into a deck that's unique to them, a deck that is that uh, has sentimental value, is surprising, unique, or just plain cool in some way. So Luke, what is the name of the deck we're going to be diving in with you today on? The deck is called Giada Miss Carnival Drubbings. Giada, Miss Carnival drubbings, and what what houses does uh, Miss Carnival bring to the table here? You know, Miss Carnival brings a lovely assortment of dis, sanctum, and untamed to that table. And, and Luke, to what extent is this deck able to give its competitors a real drubbing? <laughs> is that, is that <laughs> yeah, not a, to, a phrase? That's, 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 
Okay, this makes me mad because that's a pun <laughs> that I did not think of and I could have used. Okay. So we just thought that was a British phrase that, that, that no one else used. So it's drop, dropping a phrase. I'm going to use that from now on. It just means beat up. I, I'm just very upset of all of the like missed opportunities that I've had wow. now. I was, I was today years old when I learned about that word. Well, today years old. I'm just today. looking. I'm just looking up. No, it is. It is okay. It, there's no like. There's no dodgy connotations here. It is a beating, a thrashing, informal, a resounding defeat in a match or contest. To hand out a resounding defeat. Yeah. Wow. So, so Luke, new question. How does it feel to know that you have spent uh, probably the better part of a, a year or more <laughs> not making that joke the entire I mean, time? It's. it's... It's, I'm, I'm disappointed with myself, really, only. Um, <laughs> so, so, Zach, this is a first on Call of Discovery where a guest has brought on their Deck Discovery episode and we've helped them to discover something about it that they didn't know. <laughs> this is very true. Gyalia Miss Carnival Drubbings, my goodness. Oh, so, well, luckily, I am not very good at Keyforge, so the Drubbings is usually upon me. Oh, no. So I guess my opponents can use that now, I guess, is the big thing. So, <laughs> I mean, spoiler to our listeners, but I hardly see how that can be true with this deck. It really does look like quite a formidable opponent. It, it is a fun deck. So, so and, and every good deck has a story behind it. So, Luke, tell us, what is the story behind uh, Miss Drubbing's? So the story behind it was is back in the winter and fall, mm. back when uh, Amazon was selling Coda boxes for like $35. Nice. I would buy them probably on a monthly or bi-weekly basis uh, and just go through and open the decks up, do just a quick search of everything. A lot of decks went into just the bulk pile to sell and Every once in a while, like, I'd find a deck that was pretty good that I could sell for a little bit of money. And basically, I would just continue funding my habit of constantly buying Coda display boxes with that. And someone asked me, like, halfway through this addiction, it's like, hey, what are you actually looking for? And I'm like, I have no idea. And so then I sat back and I thought about it for a while. Um, and I realized that like the one thing I was really kind of looking for was a horseman deck because I had actually never opened one. Um, I've had a couple friends locally that have some really amazing Coda deck or horseman decks. And I'm like, I just kind of want that to kind of fill out my collection. And so it just so happened, like I bought a display box and like the day after that, like the prices went way back up to like where I probably consider more buying the other from the other two sets instead of Coda um, because Coda does not have my favorite play styles in it. But it just so happens that the very last deck of the very last display that I bought had this deck in it and it was a horseman deck and just opening up and seeing the horseman. I'm like, was really excited about that. And then I started looking at the other cards and I'm like, wait a minute, this, uh, this, this could be more than just a horseman deck out there. So and, and I must admit at this point, Luke, I am ever so slightly envious because 
I, like you, before you'd open this horseman deck, and one of those out there with zero numbers of horseman deck and or indeed time traveler decks from Kota. So uh, I look upon it with a sense of awe and maybe even slightly wonder. And, and I have to ask, is, was, it, was it all it's cracked up to be to play out those horsemen together? Um, getting a play out there with the horsemen is really, really fun. It's, uh, it doesn't happen all that often. That all four are out there, but it's it's really exciting when you get like two or three of them out there at the same time, especially with some of the fun little tricks that this deck has. It makes each of the horsemen have its own little, brings a little extra to the deck, the little extra synergy that those cards create with the rest of the deck. Yeah, what are some of those tricks tricks that you've got here? I see a um, lot of fun cards that, that might be able to do that. The super easiest one is actually the Horseman of Pestilence, which does... Uh, one damage to each non-horseman uh, creature, and that's a play fight reap effect. So it does a lot of like little bitty damage. It absolutely like decimates wards out there. It's like you have wards on you, think that's cute. Boom, now they're gone. And then you pair that with another great card called Cleansing Wave, which is heal one damage from each creature, and you gain one amber from that thing. So being able to throw down the Horseman of Pestilence and playing Cleansing Wave right after that is always a huge amber gain, especially with how big board states are nowadays. Like, worlds collide, the boards are just bigger, and you have creatures on the board. And this deck, um, for being a Coda deck, is actually has a huge board presence as well on it. So usually in the end of the game, end of the game if I happen to get these two cards, it's a huge amber swing. It's so much fun to play. Even if I don't win the game, if I manage to pull off that combo, I'm happy with my game. That's awesome. So you've said this this deck uh, has a bit bigger of a board than maybe some other Kota ones do. So does it pair up pretty well against Worlds Collide decks when you've had the chance to play that matchup? Depends on how you mean by pretty well. If you mean it doesn't lose out completely instantly, yes, it does pretty well. <laughs> Which again, it may be more of a might be more of a comment to my ability as a player rather than the ability of this deck. <laughs> but as far as like board, it's it's got fun board stuff. Um, the entire Dis house, I'm looking at it now, there are 10 creatures in Dis. <laughs> wow. With an Arise as being one of the non-creature Dis cards. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And two of those being Emperims, which just wreak havoc with your opponent if you can get those guys out early in the game such power cards and to to get those out twice in a game really nice but I, i'm noticing there's a lot of recursion in this deck with uh, a world tree as well uh, it must be such a kind of fascinating card in this deck so tell us how how has that one influenced the play style here uh, well, World Tree is an artifact, and it has an action of return a creature from your discard pile to the top of your deck. Um, it's kind of an interesting card. Like, I don't find myself calling Untamed all that often with this deck. Okay. Um, I feel uh, the, dis- the Untamed is more of a utility house, and there's some, some fun stuff you can do with it still, too, but... Um, if you have World Tree out early, there's a bunch of targets that you can have with that. Um, Drumble's always a fun one just to put back in your deck, um, just to make your opponent's life just an extra little bit harder. Um, and it really depends on what cards you have in your hand, because you can 
Uh, this is like the one kind of bit of card hand building that you can do with this deck. So if like I'm in an untamed thing and I have like three discards in my hand, I can easily put find another discard that I want to have back. There's a ton of fun targets, like either the charrettes, if they're not quite on check, but they're getting close. The drumble, if they're definitely on check. Um, the ember imps, if I just want to slow them down a little bit. Uh, the Schuler is always kind of a fun thing to to go out there. Oh, he's the steel. I was thinking I had it confused with Charette for a second there. You always have the great option of bringing putting your Horseman of Death back on top of your discard pile, on top of your uh, draw pile, and then playing him the next thing and bringing all your Horsemen back. So that's always a fun kind of two step combo there. Oh wow, what a what a fun world tree! And for, for our listeners that are listening to this far off into the distant future, the Horsemen were really the first set of cards to really outline what that conditional rarity in Keyforge can do for the game. And, uh, yeah, that makes them, I think, uh, some sentimental value around them, probably for all Keyforge players. But they are massively compl- complemented in this deck by uh, another fearful card from Call of the Archons, it's Doorstep to Heaven, and there are two of them. So I imagine that this has enabled you to, uh, to prevent uh, your opponent from forging many a key. Right, like this, this car, this deck just has a bunch of ways to stall out your opponent. Um, if they manage to pull off that huge untamed amber burst move, there's a good chance I have a doorstep in my hand already, and I can just play it out and goodbye to all your amber. You're not forging, and then along with that, if you can uh, throw down the ember imps and keep them to be only playing two cards, you can kind of. Prov- prevent them from getting that big amber burst early if you get those guys out as well and talking of rare effects i see in your disc here you have a gabos long arms and this is the the rare card with a very imposing picture it's a it's a disc demon with two uh talons it looks like a not really sure what it looks like it looks like a scorpion two giant sickles <laughs> it's pretty scary anyway and uh, yes, it says before fight, choose a creature. Gabos Long Arms deals damage to that creature rather than the one it is fighting. So I, this is one that it's difficult to get your mind around all the edge cases. And I've never played with a card like this because it's a rare. And I believe it's only in, no, it's in Worlds Collide as well, I think. But, you know, it's, it's still a rare. You still don't come across it all that often. Have you found this to be a super impactful card, or is it one of those that looks interesting but doesn't necessarily come up with the goods? I find him as a... He's very useful out there, and he doesn't get cleared off the board as instantly as, say, the Hunting Witch would in this this game, or the Ember Imps would immediately, or the Witch of the Eye. Like Those guys are instant targets. They will be killed as fast as possible but gabos sometimes just kind of slips by and what's amazing about him is that if uh this deck does not have a lot of direct damage if they have a hunting witch that is behind a taunt that is also somehow elusive it's uh gabos is the answer for that because i can attack any creature and kill and just put drop five damage on any target that i want even my own creature every once in a while like i have my dust imp out I want that to die. I will fight Gabos and he will kill the Dust Imp instead. 
Wow. <laughs> how very, how very house dis of you to target your own <laughs> dust tip with a garbage lions. We've all got to make sacrifices, especially dis. <laughs> or what's, what's really fun sometimes is that if I have uh, my charrette out with three of their amber and they're sitting at five amber and they are definitely just going to clear my board next turn and I'm in Sanctum, I could play out the Horseman of War, fight with Gabos, kill my own charrette, and then doorstep them <laughs> and get rid of that extra amber. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Wow. I, I have done very similar things with Drumble before. It is, it is quite mean. It is quite mean. Oh, Drumble is such... He earns his keep in this deck. It's like because everyone always looks at always looks at the list and sees the double doorstep, and they're like, "Okay, well, those are both in the discard. I don't have to worry about this." And they amber burst up. And I'm like, "Also, I have this drumble that kind of right slid by, and now he's got everything." And uh, Luke, I'm seeing one of the more uh, well infamous, at least as far as the pain it causes opponents when it gets played. Infamous cards in Keyforge here, and that's mimicry. Uh, the card that says when you play this card, treat it as a copy of an action card in your opponent's discard pile. And so Luke, what are some of your most fun or wacky or just off the wall mimicry plays that you've been able to pull off with this deck? Um, well, an instant target would be, uh, would be any like key cheat out there. If I can, if they have a key charge, I'm going to instantly target that because if I'm playing untamed, um, there's, plenty of ways to earn amber really quickly with this deck um uh, but there's very few like it has no key cheats so unless i can earn it and keep it and manage to get to my forge step with still having six amber or still being able to afford it uh there's no way for me to forge off out of turn so instantly if you have a key charge i'm gonna go for that Uh, a few other ones that i've done are any direct damage like is always an easy one, easy, quick pick, because, again, there's no direct damage with this deck. So if you have a direct damage, I'm going to be using it. If uh, any purging, I will probably steal that as well. Wow. <laughs> nice. Nice. So it sounds like that mimicry really fills, uh, fills the holes in this deck once you've got an answer that your deck might not necessarily have. Once that answer is in your opponent's discard, then mimicry just picks it right up. Right. And it's... you got to keep your head on a swivel and like, okay, what do you have in your deck that I could use and will Mm -hmm. benefit me? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Even when my decks don't have mimicry, I've made a habit of in, uh, when I'm playing competitively, at least looking at my opponent's discard pile, um, at least once every five minutes or so, not enough to be obnoxious, but enough that I'm actually remembering what is in there, especially if mimicry's in the game, or sometimes they think I have mimicry and I'm just, I'm just looking at their discard pile. (laughs) What's always fun is if somehow your witch of the eye manages to survive to being able to be used to mimicry, witch of the eye and then mimicry again. It's always just fun. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, that is that is really fun. That is really fun. So this deck is stacked to the brim with tricks and things that can really hand out a drubbing. <laughs> See what I did there? But but you have mentioned to us, Luke, that you do struggle to get time to actually play Keyforge. So where have you played this deck in the past? Where's this deck made an appearance? How's it done? And where might you be taking this deck next? Well, um, well, one of the benefits of uh, just the way I code and the way I code with the with uh, the team 
of TCO is that I don't need to be there all the time. There's other people that can pick up my slack and continue the work. Every once in a while, back when we could go outside, I would go to several <laughs> local um, key bound, key, what were they called again? Chain bound events. Um, <laughs> it's when you get there that you know how, th- how much things have changed. <laughs> um, I live in the Twin Cities area and I'm fortunate enough to have, um, there are at least three or four weekly events that constantly fire. Nice. Um, so being able to get out and play at those events is always a ton of fun. Um, I brought this deck to one event on a Monday night and I went two and two with it. Basically I lost out to a Amber rush with a key charge that I couldn't, that I had my doorstep, I had it ready, but they just, you know, cheated and forged a key before I had a turn to answer to them. Um, my other loss with the game was the very much the Achilles heel of this deck is that it is not an efficient deck. It is slow. And if you're not playing more than three cards per turn, you're going to lose with this deck because it just needs to move. And it really drags if you don't. And there's that lack of logos coming out. Right. Yeah, I find I, I have some decks that they're they're good, but with just a little bit of archiving, if I could just put away that one key card and yeah. not just keep it in my hand, it'd be so much better. Mm. If if this deck had one card that would archive stuff, I would be so happy with it. But alas, we get what we get. And that's, <laughs> that's Keyforge. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And we get what we get, certainly. And you've opened up a number of Kota boxes. But I also have it on good authority that you are a strong proponent of the Lean Forge mantra, which for our listeners is the mantra that you should you should only keep the number of Keyforge decks that you need within your collection uh, and no more. Is this true, Luke? And how do you reconcile those those two things of of, of buying decks and, and deciding which ones to keep. It is true. I actually just went through my collection last week and I am down to 23 decks Goodness. in my collection. Wow. And uh, it's like, and each one of these, well, actually not each one of these things. Most of them I'm like, I can tell you about this deck just by having the name of it. And I know how each of those decks plays, even though with my, limited amount of time to play i still these the decks that i have i know and i'm they may not be the best decks out there they but they're fun they're fun to play with and that's like the biggest part of me part of what i want um the way i reconcile it with buying decks constantly is i sell decks a lot too a lot of the decks i go go through actually just i sell as bulk decks and i've actually managed to sell off like a couple boxes like that to local people which is always great too try to grow our community locally too. Nice. And then every once in a while, like I'll get a really good deck that I just cannot play very well. And I feel almost bad having it in my collection where it's never going to see the light of day and never going to be played (laughs) as well as it could. Sure. Um, And so I've sent off a lot of those decks and I just had one experience where I, while I was cleaning out my decks last week, I posted this deck and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about getting rid of this one. And another user is just like, I was literally just looking at this exact deck because of X, Y, and Z. I'm oh, like, wow. and, you, and I'm like, hey, do you want it? Because I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be able to enjoy it as much as you would. 
So we made a deal, and that deck is on the way to him now. Gosh, gosh. And that's amazing that there's always something that people are looking for. Zach, I know you've been going for some Rocket Tesmal decks. So if anyone, anyone's got any Rocket <laughs> Tesmal decks in their collection that they are they're looking to, uh, looking to uh, find a new home for, then um, potentially that's with Zach. Um, but yeah, yes. everyone has their quests, don't they, in Keyforge, the, the decks that they want, and they're always different, which is one of the, the perks of the game. And I will say, I will say, uh, keep an eye out, listeners, for that Lean Forge philosophy. Uh, Logotarian Luke, the author of that philosophy, has been on Help from Future Self talking about it, and he's got he's got kind of a new, uh, maybe more accessible version of that philosophy in the works. Is all we can say for now. But uh, it may be out by the time this airs. So keep an eye out on Logotarian Luke's uh, Twitter Twitter handle, and uh, maybe for uh, another podcast visit of his. So look out for that. And Logotarian Luke is another local guy to me. So it's, it's always fun to play against him and lose very badly because he <laughs> is definitely the better Luke of the group of the two. Uh, your, your humility is, uh, is quite something. And, but, but it's, it's nice to know that you can practice lean forge, but at the same time, yeah, we can still, we can still buy decks. Yeah. It's, that's nice. Well, <laughs> you just, you need to have a plan of what you're going to do with the decks you don't want. Yes. Is, is the the big part there, I find. Thank you so much, Luke, for joining us, not just today, but also on last week's episode. And please do send us a postcard or maybe a digital postcard via one of your bots once uh, your, your deck hands out yet another drubbing. <laughs> I will remember to do that. <laughs> I'll take pictures. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm Sky Jedi, Sky Jedi there. I am Sky Jedi on the discords. Um, and my GitHub for all of my coding stuff is still github.com slash Sky Jedi. Awesome. And dear listener, if you missed last week's episode, please do go back and check it out where Luke shared all of the projects that he's been working on in coding for the community. But overall, if you are enjoying Call of Discovery and you are willing and able to support us in a monetary fashion, our Patreon is linked below. And here you can have a say in our future through our Patreon only Discord and Discord, Discord, not Discord, and lots of other perks too. Do let us know what you like to see more of or less of in future episodes. We would hate to disappoint. And please do subscribe and leave a review on your regular podcast app. You can find us on Instagram talking about board games. You can find us on Twitter talking about just Keyforge, and you can find us on Facebook sometimes too. But you can always email us at discoverkeyforge@gmail.com. Most importantly, though, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please, please, please do help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery? 